All right, uh, I want to give a quick plug before we get started uh, for, for, for serve teams with our worship team. If you are interested in doing any of this kind of stuff, let us know, and for home groups. Um, I see some fingers pointing, saying they need to get up here. Who's in a home group? Raise your hand if you're in a home group. That's a good, keep your hands up. People look around. There's a lot of people in home groups. We have signed up for home groups out in the, uh, in the, in the, the little worship, whatever you call it, Connect Center thing. Lobby, thank you. I say that because currently we have four home groups. And raise your hands one more time if you're in a home group. There's a lot of people out this week. We have some big home groups. I think Jasper group has like 83 people in it or something. <laughs> like it's, it's a whole lot of people. So we are in need of two main things, three main things. We're in need uh, of more people in community, number one. If you're not in a home group, I strongly encourage you to get in a home group. We're going to talk about some of that uh, this morning. Number two, we are in need of more home group leaders. So a leader is not somebody that knows this front to back and feels like you can get up here and, and, and preach or, or preach in a home group or, or do any of that kind of stuff. A leader is simply somebody that says, I am willing to try to facilitate discussion amongst people for the purpose of building relationships and getting to know the Lord. Really easy. I can do it. Mostly. If you're in my group, you know it doesn't always work out real well. But we can attempt it. So we need home group leaders or and we need people that are willing to host home groups. Okay? So if, if those things are resonating with you at all, please, please let us know because um, when groups get as large as sometimes Jasper's where there are 80-something people in there, it just gets kind of crazy. So we need, in order to build healthy relationships, we need to continue to, to, to grow some of these things uh, and split them out some and, and just, just we're, this is a need that we have as a church. So I wanted to plug that real fast because it's vastly important and we're going to be talking about community this morning. Cool? All right. Uh, uh, one more thing before we get started, it's Memorial Day weekend, which is kind of why I picked this weekend, because I, I didn't know if anybody would be here, and I get really nervous, uh, but with Memorial Day weekend, um, I'm going to pray in just a second. Uh, if you have family that has served, uh, especially that have given their lives for our country, we want to say thank you. We know that freedom doesn't come free. Um, there's been a great price for our country in order to be where we are. Likewise, what we'll talk about in Scripture, there's a great price that Christ paid for us in order for us to have what we call this freedom. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. And let's go to the Father and thank Him for the country that we live in, that, that even me today can get up here and speak about the Lord freely without worry of persecution. You might not like what I have to say. Uh, I might say stuff wrongly, but I get to do this. We get to be here. So uh, let, let's... Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you um, that we may, Lord, that we may come here freely, openly, and proclaim your goodness. Um, we thank you for this country. Lord, we thank you for all the brave men and women that have served um, on our behalf. Lord, be with families today as, uh, or tomorrow as it can be a, a tough day for some. Lord, and we ask that that you use tomorrow not just as a holiday, not as a day that most of us don't have to go to work, but as a day that we can remember what you have done for us. 
and that we were bought with a price and help us be grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, amen. Uh, well, welcome, as Kyle said. My name is Alan. Um, I don't do this very often. This is actually my third time ever getting up here doing this. I get nervous every time. I get nervous even when I'm up here singing. So when I do this, I get really nervous. Uh, so a little bit about me. Most of you kind of know I'm a banker. work at People's Bank. Uh, I'm, I'm a father. Um, my kids are, are, are awesome. They're in the uh, rooms right now. I'm a, my husband to the most amazing wife in the world. Shay, y'all can all turn around. She's back there running sound today. Hey, baby. <laughs> She's the best. Um, I'm, as far as here at the church, I, uh, as of last week, uh, I'm now serving as one of our elders, um, which I'm very, very honored for that. I serve as our treasurer, um, you know, hoping that we, we can all the stuff that Kyle talked about, that we can steward it properly and, and uh, have a great team that, that works with me. I don't do all that by myself. Um, I help with home groups, which is why I'm kind of so passionate about that a little bit. I'm one of our home group leaders, and I help with play guitar and help with worship and, and um, just get to, to be a part of this great place. So that's a little bit of kind of my role here. Um, I like sports. I like all that kind of fun stuff. I really like playoff season. I was sitting one night, uh, basketball, anybody, NBA playoffs? Anybody, nobody, two people? Philip, that's what I'm talking about. So I was sitting there and I had, I had my Bible laid out and I'm, I'm trying to study. And then I'm looking and I'm like, man, it's the Warriors and the Rockets are on right now. I was like, I got sermon prep, I got NBA. So I like all that kind of stuff. Um, and I love just talking to people. So that's what I'm going to try to do this morning is just talk. And hopefully uh, if you got some notes, you can, you can take some notes. So we've been in Colossians. Uh, and we've, we're starting on chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians, or if you've got an app or something you know, on your phone, go ahead and pull up uh, your app and get to Colossians 3. Okay, And kind of to sum up Colossians, so Paul is writing to, uh, to the church there, and he is writing them uh, words of encouragement, and he's also writing them kind of warnings of some false teachings and stuff that's been going on. And Kyle's done a great job kind of, kind of talking through this. If you missed the last few weeks, we've got a podcast. Go back and take a listen. And so kind of to sum up um, um, some of Colossians, uh, uh, Paul is establishing that Christ is supreme. Okay, so he is establishing that, that Christ is all in all. Uh, we'll talk about that even more today. That Christ is the head of the body, which is us. He's the head of the church. And that everything is, is made through him. And he uses that kind of language. He says all things are made through Christ and for Christ and that he holds it all together. So Christ binds it. So Paul is establishing this first and foremost in the first few chapters that it is about Christ. So he's encouraging the church. Keep it there. And he's also kind of uses words. He says like we are raised to new life through baptism. That, we, that, 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 that through baptism, through salvation, we are now giving a new life in Christ. And then he kind of gives heed to some warnings, and there's this word that Kyle used last week, aestheticism. Is that right? Aestheticism? He's kind of saying schisms all in there, aestheticism. And so it, it was this idea that, that maybe if, if, you, if, you, uh, uh, if you withstand from really doing anything, in a sense, you can, you can kind of gain. If you don't do anything wrong or don't do anything, that maybe you can get uh, in, in a better spiritual place. And so there were all these, these things happening. Uh, of people saying, well, maybe if you don't do this, this can elevate. And so Paul is just kind of simply saying, 
you know what? You are in Christ, and that is what matters. Not all of this other stuff. And so he even says that, you know, you can, uh, you, you can, you can live and do these kind of things, but, but keep it in Christ, because doing all these other things perfect still don't matter. It's kind of the main point that he's getting in. It's just about Christ. And uh, it's really simple. And I think it's really beautiful. And so this week, a quick story, is I'm kind of starting to prepare. Um, I'm glad that it's that simple because here's how my week went. Last Sunday, I was sitting right over there and uh, Ellie or, or Shay gets up and she runs back there and she pulls Ellie out of class, which is my daughter, my three-year-old. And Ellie threw up in class last Sunday. Oh, we can all say that. Oh, yeah, it was gross. And so we get home and she goes a lot more. Okay, so from Sunday, well, back up last Friday, my son, who's one, he, he started throwing up. So Friday, Saturday, my son was sick. And then kind of the end of the day, Saturday through Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, Ellie was just it was everywhere, man. It was it was chaos. There was one night where, where I was kind of sick and I was laying on the couch and Ellie comes walking in. It's dark. She comes walking in and she's like, Daddy. I was like, what, baby? And she's like, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And I, was, I, was, I didn't feel good. I had 102 fever that night. And I'm sitting up and I'm like, what? What's, ev- what's everywhere? <laughs> she, she said, poopy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I, I get up and I'm kind of trying to look at her, but I don't want to touch her. And I was like, well, go, go in the bathroom. What do you mean it, it's everywhere? And she goes, it's on my pillow. And she's walking like this. It, it's on my bed. And we get kind of, we have a hallway with the bathroom and we kind of get by it. And then I'm just like, oh, and it hits me, man. It hits me. And so she gets in there. I know this is kind of gross, but this, get, this is, this, we have to tell this part. It's on her forehead. It's on the back of her hair. Is, is it? She wasn't lying, man. It is everywhere. It's in her room. It's in her pillow. It's on her bed. It's on the carpet. It's in the bathroom. It's just everywhere. And so this kind of stuff was kind of our week up until Friday morning. It was a rough week, okay? By the grace of God, I'm here today. It was a bad, bad week. One of the worst that uh, we've ever had. And so I start reading. I'm like, okay, well, this is good because all Paul is saying is that we need Christ. And I was like, good. Good. Thank you. Because that part I can get, I think. So if you get nothing, just know that. We can be done, because this might be about six minutes long. Okay? So if y'all are cool with that, I'm ready to roll. All right, let's read. Let's go to Colossians 3. (laughs) Poopy. The worst. Bless her heart. It was gross. (laughs) Ah, Poopy. Okay, Colossians 3, verse 1. We're just going to read verses 1 through 17 says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, 
evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's the word of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray as we dig into that. Father, thank You for Your word. Thank You that we can get together and, and laugh. Um, Lord, we ask that you speak truth this morning. Father, help us hear what you have to say. Um, lead me, because I don't have it all figured out. Be with us and teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. That'll preach right there, man. What an encouragement. So we're going to dig in a little bit of that, uh, but I want us to first go to verse 11 here. This is a key. There's kind of two parts in this, um, and, and verse 11 is kind of a, the turning point of it. So verse 11 says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, which uh, Scythian was, was looked upon as the Greeks as uh, kind of just unfit uh, human beings in a sense, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So this little scripture kind of puts us all on the same playing field. Doesn't matter our ethnicity, doesn't matter our race, doesn't matter our gender, doesn't matter if we're rich, if we're poor, doesn't matter where we were born, where we come from, where we're going. Doesn't matter your career path, how successful you end up. If you fail, if you succeed, none of that matters. Throw it all on the table. We are all on the same playing field in Christ. That's it. So he makes that a really bold statement there, and I want us to catch that. Okay? So I grew up in, the, in 85, so the late 80s, early 90s. And so I grew up with, uh, uh, I liked basketball. I was always horrible at basketball. Still like it, but I'm terrible at it. But I was a big Michael Jordan fan. Right? Got to be like Mike. Uh, I, my dad played baseball, and so I grew up playing baseball. I loved Ozzie Smith. Okay, Ozzie was a shortstop for the, the St. Louis Cardinals, Golden Glove winner. Loved it. Okay, liked all kinds of stuff. Um, 
And when you're a kid and you see stuff you like, some people want to be firefighters or police officers or, or uh, all kinds of things, right? Teachers. And when you're a kid and you see these kind of things, you want to identify with them. I want to be like that. Has anybody else ever had that? That you want to be like something? Yeah. And that's not bad. That's a normal thing of a kid, right? So I want you to take yourself back real fast. Think of your early childhood memories when you're like five or six or something. And just get an image of, of what you wanted to be like real fast, of who you wanted to be like. Are you getting it? Somebody yell something at me. I want to hear this. A llama? A llama. Mama. It's like a llama. That's a different one. Want to be a mama. Okay. Anything else? I want to hear something else. An archaeologist. Okay. Veterinarian, policeman. Okay. We're going to watch a video. This is what I want it to be like. It's coming. Like, that's what I wanted to be. So much so that when I was little, I had to, my parents had to make me stop because I would go around headbutting door cases <laughs> and knocking myself out. But I wanted to be a wrestler. I still like wrestling, but my identity wanted to be a wrestler. So number one in your notes, we're going somewhere with that. That's kind of silly, but, but we all have this natural inclination to want to be like something. From early age, it's kind of just natural. Right? That's not, nothing's wrong with that. But at some point, we have to realize as a Christian that our identity lies in Christ. So that's point number one. Your identity lies in Christ if you're a believer. And that's all it lies in. It doesn't matter all that other stuff. You can still want that stuff. You know, I still would love to be a wrestler. I think I would be great at it. Except I would get broken in half really fast. But like my, my heart, man, that's me. Okay? But I want us to look at some of these verses. So in verses 1 through 4, Paul is really encouraging us as believers. And now he's talking to the same folks he's been talking to. This is, this is a church that he has wrote to. Um, to set their minds. Let's read this. Uh, he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Since you are a believer, since you're a follower of Christ. He says this, set your hearts and on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above not on earthly things. You've died and your life is now hidden. So he is encouraging them right from the start. Stop worrying about all this other stuff and let's look at Christ. And there was one thing I find really interesting about this. So when we profess to be Christians, when we follow throughout our day-to-day -day lives, Paul is still telling them to set their minds, which tells us this is something this is not something the Holy Spirit just does for us automatically. Do you agree with that? This is something that we have to consciously continue to set our minds. This is a daily process. Jesus talks about dying to yourself daily. This is all throughout the New Testament of this process. The Lord is working in us. He's not done with you. And I just think it's fascinating that He, he continues to say this. This is something that I encourage you to consciously do each morning. I encourage myself. I'm speaking to myself there. Wake up, turn our minds to Christ. 
set our minds. And then he goes on, and, um, and I love this, is he says, I've lost my spot here, um, on things, uh, not on earthly things. And it got me thinking of a story in 2 Kings. I want to sing, uh, read it. I don't want to sing it because it would be weird. I want to read it. It might be. We'll see. Uh, okay, verse 15. This is in 2 Kings, and this is uh, Elijah. And they are actually, I've told this story some before. They're surrounded by this army, and they get up and they say, there's no way out. What are we going to do? And it says this in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 15. It says, The servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those with them. And Elijah prayed out and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. So what I'm getting at here is that there is a realm that we do not see that he's talking about here. When he says, set your minds on things not of this earth, we can't necessarily see it, but little stories like that throughout the Bible, uh, the Lord opened their eyes and they see reality. And I know that's kind of confusing. It's confusing me. But Paul's encouraging them, keep your mind on things that aren't just here. Because when you do, when you keep your eyes on things that are here, they usually don't work out very well. They might for a little while, but we'll all eventually face death. We'll all eventually face sickness of some kind. We'll all eventually face hurt. Keep our eyes, keep our eyes up. He's not talking about just looking up in the clouds. He's talking about keep our eyes on the heavenly realm where Christ is seated, the right hand of God. That's powerful. Powerful. Um, and then, and then I, I love this. I kind of look this up when he says, where your life is now hidden with Christ. And what he means by that, um, in Psalms, I want to just read this real fast. Uh, Psalms 27, it says this, For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. So he's saying the Lord's got you. Keep your eyes, don't look at all the stuff right here. Keep your eyes on him because he has got you. Your life is hidden with him. He is protecting you. Maybe not from death, maybe not from sickness, but he has got you because you're in Christ. Does that make sense? Start rambling. Y'all just yell out, get to the point. <laughs> all right. We're continually being transformed all the time. And a phrase that came to me is that I wrote down, it takes me a minute to read it because I think I was on NyQuil when I wrote this. Uh, where we are being continually transformed. We do not simply just get saved. Okay? Salvation is a process of our whole lives. And what I mean by that is the Christian life is not something that you simply say a prayer or you come talk to somebody and then it's done. We miss the point. This is something that Paul writes us to continually set our minds because this is a process. We become a believer. The Lord wraps us in our arms, but then this process of sanctification happens. This process of going on journey with community that we're about to talk about starts to happen. 
So all growing up, I thought of being saved. You got to get saved, 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 saved. And then I got saved. And I'm like, now what? Well, live right. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I'm saved. Aren't I good? <laughs> so it's this process. Okay? I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then he goes on. We're going to keep going here. And then he tells us, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And I want to list off some of the things that he says here. He goes on and he talks about sexual immorality. Um... Uh, which is the Greek word porneo. Okay, we get uh, uh, pornography and a lot of things come from this. This is, this is uh, sexual immorality is basically any, anything uh, outside of marriage. Okay, so it deals with, it's, it's not simply just, uh, uh, it's all kinds of sex outside of marriage with all kinds of things. Okay, uh, uh, impurity goes on, uh, you know, which is, is lust. Let me read it from, from here a little bit. Yeah, impurity, uh, lust. Um, the, the wanting of some of these sexual desires, evil desires, which in some say, say passions, greed, wanting something for yourself, which is idolatry. It turns into you want that, you want to worship that thing. He goes on a little bit later and he talks about um, anger, wrath, malice, which we don't use that word a whole lot anymore. Um, I'll, I'll be malice to you. Malice is like you do something with the intent to actually hurt somebody else. Ven very vengeful. Uh, filthy talk. I was actually uh, posed a question this week. What, they're just words, right? What does it matter? It's just words. And got on the conversation, can you, can you uh, be honest and a jerk at the same time? And the answer is yes, you can. And if you don't believe me... Uh, Ask people that have ever been hurt by the words that you say. Words are very powerful, people. Right. Sticks and stones might break my bones, and words may not. They're powerful, man. They're really powerful. So he says that filthy language and lying. So let me read that little part. He says, But you must rid yourselves of all such things. This is verse 8 anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices, <coughs> excuse me, and put on the new self. He is encouraging all of this, or not encouraging, he is telling us not to do this. And here's why, in verse six, he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Who wants the wrath of God? I don't think we talk about the wrath of God as a society as much as the Bible does usually. You ever thought of that? I mean, your sin, which you have had, he just talks about it. these are things that you lived in, because of that brings the wrath of God. What do you think would happen if right now the Lord just burst through those doors and came in here? The Lord our God. The holy God that knows no sin, came through right now. You think we would get up as a church and say, Oh Lord, you're here! I'm so glad that you're here and just go run and embrace Him? Or do you think a holy God would expose things in you that you do not like, nor that cause you to be terrified of a holy God? All through the Bible there's a story in Isaiah um, where Isaiah sees him and it says he falls to the, 
to the floor in fear and awe. And there's that word fear a lot of times is used reverently, and it is. There's a reverent fear. But I also think there is a painstakingly terror that will come over us when we meet the Father, when we meet God. Because He is holy and we are not. The wrath of God. This is something not to be taken lightly. This is big. But the beautiful thing about the Bible is that every time there's a story like that, it ends up saying something along the lines of fear not. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And so he goes on and he says all that stuff. He says that the wrath of God is coming. And he keeps talking about this is the things that you were. You had anger and rage and you lied to each other. And then he does that verse 11, which is that key part. So he's saying, this is who you are, but I'm here to tell you that Christ is in all. He makes the playing field good. And then in verse 12, he really hits it. He says, therefore, because you are in Christ, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he's basically saying, therefore, you don't have to be afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, walking with one another, forgiving as He forgave you, and loving. It goes on and says, love binds it all together. So I want to spend just a little bit of a moment with all of this. Why is any of that really a big deal? These are things dealing with each other. And they break relationship. You lie to one another, you break relationship. You covet stuff, you want, you want something somebody has. You're much more inclined to um, I mean, uh, steal or slander. All, all these things, sin, sin happens and it breaks relationship. And so when, when he's, he's encouraging all this stuff, therefore, as God's chosen people, we are believers. We are dearly loved. He's saying, put off the old self. Put on the new self. You're not like that anymore. Love one another. And he says all of that, not just because he's saying don't do it, so don't do it. We don't do these things because they hinder relationship. They break relationship. As a community, if we act this way to one another, yes, it's sin, and it hurts each other. It hurts our relationship with Him, and it hurts one another. So He's not saying this as, as a parent or somebody saying, stop it, and it's like, why? Because I said so. There's a reason for why He's saying these things. Compassionate. Man, I want more compassion. Far too often my compassion is cold. Kindness and humility, meekness or, or gentleness and patience. I am not patient enough half the time. Man, so I'm reading through these things and I'm like, oh Lord. Oh Lord. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And this leads us to point number two. The identity of the church is seen through community. So what I mean by that is that your identity, if you're a believer, is in Christ. Christ alone. It doesn't matter 
like me, you're a banker, or, or if you're a pastor, or maybe you're a painter, maybe you're an electrician, it doesn't matter. If you're a believer, your identity lies in Christ. And then the identity of the church here at New Life, our identity is still in Christ, but the world sees that through community. That's the whole point of that verse 11, is people that look differently, that are different, come together as one. And together we can say it is all Christ. And that's something I didn't know growing up. Um, whether I wasn't taught it, whether I just didn't get it, however the, the fact was, I didn't, I didn't understand that aspect of community. And a lot of you might be the same way. You know, you get told, you, you, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you work very individualistic. Um, and I do believe in hard work. I, I do believe that it is up to, to you to set your mind on these things. You know, I don't think things just happen for you, but there's part of a community. I, di I didn't know about that. I didn't, I didn't operate in that. I operated in, you know, I read my Bible every night. I, I try to have a relationship with God, but that was it. That was as far as community went. It's missing the point here. So as a church here at New Life, we want the rest of Magnolia to see Christ by the way, from the outside looking in, if they just look, I want them to be able to see and see all of these individual peoples and say, man, what is different? Have you seen all the people that go there? They're just a big mess. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, look who's up here today. <laughs> We're just a bunch of mess. And together, if we're seeking the Lord, they can say, man, something's different. They don't have it all together. That's a community, and I hear that all the time. People say, there's something going on there. What is it? Like, well, we're just a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus. And it's different. It's different. And he says, bear with each other. And man, this church bears with people more than I've seen probably in my whole life. Do you know the burden is great? when you get a bunch of people together because everybody's got stuff they're carrying around with them. Yeah. I've got stuff, you've got stuff. It might be light now, but one day it's gonna be heavy and you're gonna need somebody to help you carry it. So bear with it, bear with it, not bury with it, bear with it. And then he says, well, binds them all together in love. And then we're gonna kind of uh, uh, end with just a little, a little part about community that I wanna to talk to us about. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, do whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. This takes boldness from Christ to live this way. Got my notes. I just said, camp here and tell them they are loved. You're loved today. I encourage you to get with some people here as a body of believers. Because this takes boldness. You cannot do this alone. Alone, I, don't, I really don't think, uh, I know it's not designed this way, and I don't know if we can 
by ourselves, let the peace of God drive our day. I know I can't. I can't do it alone. I need y'all. I need my wife. I need my family. I need my friends. I need my pastor. I need my home group. I got a bunch of texts this week because I told people I was sick. So I got texts even yesterday saying, man, I've been praying for you. I know you haven't been feeling well. The Lord's going to do it. I walk in today and people pull me aside and they say, let me pray for you. Let me pray that the Lord just speaks. I can't operate in this peace of God. I can't allow Him to do that because my anxiety and my stuff gets in the way. And so He uses us. He uses people. He uses people to speak over you, speak truth into your life. Do you agree with that? Has anybody experienced that before? Has anybody ever experienced that even outside of church? Right. This, this, is, a, this is a phenomenon that the Lord created. It's called people. We're real. We have real feelings and we matter. We matter to Him and we matter to each other. And we have to work together. I think it's beautiful. Let the peace of God let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Man. And whatever you do, do whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of of the Father. So I don't really know if I've been up here long or short. But we're going to camp right here. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come up. And I want to read these lyrics. We're going to sing a song called Thank You Jesus. And the lyrics say this. It says, You've given me life. You've opened my eyes. I love You, Lord. I love You, Lord. You've entered my heart. You have set me apart. I love you, Lord. And then it goes into the chorus that just says, Thank you, Jesus. You have set me free. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever it is that you do outside of Sunday mornings, whatever your role is, job-wise or parent-wise or friend-wise, love the Lord. Love the Lord. And when you're not sure how to do that, maybe something, uh, maybe you got, <clears throat> maybe you got bad news and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Let the peace of Christ rule over you. Well, I don't know how to do that. How do I, how do I let the peace of Christ rule over me? It's by setting our minds on Him daily. This is something we have to strive for. Set your minds on Christ. Go to somebody that you know. Ask them to pray for you. Ask them to help you. Live in the peace and the joy that is in Christ Jesus, my friends. That goes the other way. Maybe, maybe some really good news happens. I know with me, when really good news happens, I tend to throw everything out of relying on the Lord and I go back to relying on myself. Because it's easy to do that, right? It's easy to be happy when everything's going great. Let's set our minds not on these things. Let's set our minds on Christ. For He is all and in all. So I'm going to invite you this morning.
to do a few things. I'm going to invite you um, and encourage, if needed, repentance. For all those things, for slander, for malice, sexual immorality, for impurity, for lust, for lying, for anger, for rage. Any of these things that before Christ, these identified you. Now you are identified in Christ alone. But that's still your old self. He tells us to take off our old self. We are a new creation to put on the new self, but this is a daily thing. Continue to put this on. So if repentance needs to happen, I encourage repentance this morning. I encourage you as we sing, thank you, Jesus, you have set me free to set your mind on Christ. And also just encourage gratitude to the Lord. Maybe you're in a spot right now where, where this kindness and faithfulness and gentleness is really hitting you. The Lord is moving. Be grateful. Be grateful. For He is good. Let's go to the Father. Lord Jesus, I thank You. I thank You for using even me. Thank You, Lord, for being holy, for being good, for loving me, a wretch. Lord, reveal my old nature that is still within me. Help me take it off and put on the new self, Lord. Help me bear with one another, with the people right beside me. Help me get in community. Help me seek your face. Help me live for you and live in your peace, Lord. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to do those things and let's worship the Lord together.